on 12 hours, 12 hours of recording for the podcast all of this just to take a break the irony too is the episode following this one is all about living a sober life and we're both drinking here we are not taking the advice but well, you can I, I don't to that exactly one. i don't i don't want to like give away too much because i also think that that episode just blew our minds away um, I'm just going to pretend we went back in time until yesterday with this glass of wine. And then tomorrow, I'm going to take that knowledge that we earned and do something with it. Yeah. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. And maybe in January. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, this, is, this episode is coming out post-Christmas. So um, where will you be when this episode comes out? Are you still going to be in Canada? Yes, I'm going to be in Canada. So presumably we've had a great long drive back to Canada and like the it easiest was, drive ever. Yeah, That's what we're going to cross so our fingers easy. for. We had no problem. We crossed the border with the dog and COVID tests were good and no hiccups. I really pray for no vehicle problems cuz we had so many coming down. Is this your first trip driving back up? This is going to be yeah, the first. Ooh, it's going to resurface some memories. I think yeah, and coming down again the next week is probably <laughs> going to be a little traumatizing. <laughs> like yeah, not this again. If anybody listening has not already listened to the first episode where you hear Ashley's nightmare of a moving story, you must listen so you can laugh with me. Yeah, I don't want to laugh at your pain, but. No, it's okay. Like <laughs> over dinner, we were even just talking about when was the last time you became a Karen. I was like, I I became a Karen at the U-Haul when the car broke down, and if they there couldn't is, help us. I became a Karen. If there's any moment to become a Karen, it's driving over the Canadian-U.S. border um, with nothing going your way. You, you need to remind Americans that Canadians are not all sunshine and rainbows. And I also. I'm willing to bet that you're what you're calling your Karen moment is likely like the like kindest Karen that's ever existed. <laughs> that's very sweet. I appreciate that. Um, I, I might be uh, getting some doggy noises from underneath my microphone. I've got a little visitor down here. Yeah. Who's over there? Is that Marley? When this podcast comes out, he should be cozy, snuggling under the Christmas tree, hanging out with my parents' This dog. is your first Christmas with Marley. First Christmas with Marley. No, oh, I'm saying his name too much. He's coming over. He's so excited. How cute. How often do you shave him? Um, I guess we're a little bit neglectful. It's been one time in six months. Um, but... And we wanted but to if see that's how... what his hair looks like after six months, I don't think that's that bad. I, I no. actually think he looks quite fluffy. And We wanted to see if he would go cute or go scraggly. And he's in the middle. 
but yeah, we're it's time for a shave. He's getting these mats on his underside, and he's too itchy. But yeah, it's, uh, so when this podcast comes out, we will be at home, cuddled up under the Christmas tree, all three of us. Um, Are you planning on doing anything while you're there, or just recovering from a hell of a year? Yeah, it's hard because when you go home, everyone who you know and wants to see you, you yeah, yeah, they want to see you, they want to hug you, and it, especially with COVID, they're like, "Please, we haven't seen anyone." Um, Deprived of their sweet Ashley. Oh, <laughs> they just need me. Um, no, it's. It's exciting. I want to see as many people as possible, but I also want them to just like come and sit with me. I'm like, I don't want to have to move. I don't want to have to drive. Just come to me. Um, but I'll have to drive because I can't make everyone do that. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing my um, cousin's daughter. This is my first cousin once removed, but she was born like the week after I left and I've only seen her one time and she's so cute. And so I'm really excited to see her. Um, I'm really excited to see my two grandmas. I miss them a lot. And they're going to be at um, the Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So we're debating leaving on the 31st or the 1st. Yeah. So um, today we got to talk to an astrologer. Yes. It was Brian Vlasic. Um, and we actually didn't get introduced until last night um, through a girl that I actually don't even know personally. Um, she just gave me this recommendation when I was looking for astrologers. And um, like <laughs> Ashley and I are 100% like Brian's clients for life after that. Like truly. Yeah. I want to give him everything. <laughs> so Brian's really cool because um, – He's an entrepreneur. He's an astrologer. He an artist, a musician, right. a teacher. A teacher. He said um, he had a student in some five ways. Five degrees. Yes, he has five degrees. five degrees, and he actually uses all of them. When I when I asked to borrow one of his degrees, he refused. Like They're he's all like, important. Mm-hmm. yes, and he uses yeah, them all. He's a PhD. Um, he's incredibly well spoken. He's super friendly, super insightful. Um, I think what was really cool about this episode for me was I went into this, I wouldn't say I was a non-believer, but I was a skeptic, right? Like I am of the science mind. I like concrete facts. I want things to be like, how does X get to Y at one straight line? It's very straightforward. We have facts. That's how my brain works. And I think um, Brian picked up on that right away. Like yeah, we didn't even say that, but he no. called you a skeptic. He, I think he called you that word. Yeah. And I was like, wait, how does he know? Because I don't even think we said that. All I said was that you're new to the astrology world. I didn't call you a skeptic or anything like that in our messages. But he picked up. He picked up on it. And I don't think he was upset about it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he, he welcomes that. I think from our conversation after that, I think he welcomes ideas like that because it's just another opportunity to show, I guess, like A, show what he can do and B, yeah. like show you how well that you can know yourself. Exactly. And so the first part of the episode, um, 
feels a little bit like a counseling session because Brian's like walking me through the practice and the art of astrology, giving me some basic um, insights that I think Katie probably already knew, but was really helpful for me as a newcomer, as a partial skeptic. Um, And he's really like hitting on those feelings and those emotions that I'm having and he's addressing them. He's answering a lot of questions right off the top. And um, like we we're saying, we we didn't introduce that at all. This is all insight from Brian. Um, he's really intuitive and he can read people very well. And so it starts off like that. And then he's so amazing. He offered to do um, a chart reading for me. So um, before the episode, he got all my personal information and put my chart together. Um, and we have a video recording and we'll show some of that. Um, and it's really cool to watch him work and see how he reads the chart and um, what maybe, he pulls from it, what he interprets yeah, from what it. He, he gets out of it. And I think also maybe entertaining to see my reaction like, what? Um, how could you tell that? And then just how informative and like such a good teacher he is. He's like, well, you know, that's what I'm saying, but this is how I interpret it. This is what it means for you. And so he's just walking through my chart with me. We didn't have time to cover the whole thing today, which is why we're both laughing. We're like, we're clients for life because I want to go back and hear the rest about my chart. And Katie's like, tell me more about mine. Yeah. Well, I've, I've actually had my chart read by an astrologer before and I thought she went into great detail, but listening to Brian go over your chart, I was like, wow, there is so much more to my chart that I don't even know yet. Like, <laughs> and it was kind of like a tease to Brian because I was telling him like, oh yeah, I, I had a reading with an astrologer a few years ago. And when she first looked at my chart, she was like, you've got some issues you got to work through. You, you are going through a really hard period of life. And I can tell looking at the past three years, you've already been through hell and back but it's not going to get any better. And then Brian the whole time was like, let me see your chart. Let me see it. And I'm like, okay, okay, I promise I'm going to, but I'm not going to let you look at your chart, look at my chart until I hire you. Cause I don't feel right about that, especially with how much that he had given us for this episode. He gave us way more than he had to. It was so generous. I mean, I wasn't expecting any reading at all. No, me neither. Um, so I really want to highlight that this man is, so attentive, so caring. He's really going to go to town and read every detail and answer every question super thoughtfully. Um, I can't say enough about our experience with Brian and our conversation with Brian. Yeah, so much so that we actually really don't want to cut anything out of this episode. Um, Like we said, it's like almost four hours of interview. Um, We really don't want to cut too much out. So we are going to make this a two-parter. Um, which is something we've never done. And um, that basically means you get a bonus episode this week. Um, So instead of one episode, you get two. So um, in in this first part, you'll kind of get a glimpse of um, those details with um, uh, his background, um, how he uses music and art in his field as an astrologer, um, and how he uh, uses cards as well. He's so dynamic. There's so much to him. Um, and for us to be able to have, I feel like we, like, it wasn't like meeting somebody for the first time. It was like 
hanging out with a friend that we've known for a while, it felt like. Like, it was so, it was our very first time having any conversation with him outside of Instagram chat. Like, nobody heard each other's voices before. Like, yeah, it it felt like such a deep connection. And I hope you guys can really hear that in this episode and, like, hear him blow our minds. (laughs) For real. Absolutely. And if you're a skeptic um, yourself or... um, you just like straight up do not believe it. You don't believe there's any science in it. I think especially you should listen to this. And I'm not trying to like convert anybody or convince anybody that something does exist or something is real. But at the same time, like truly this guy is so freaking smart. And like we said, he has five degrees. So if there's anything you can walk away with, it's everything else that he talks about because he is full of knowledge. Um, We talked about like um, ancient Rome and we talked about genetics and we talked about psychology and we talked about politics. Like it truly goes outside of what is astrology. Um, it's so worth a listen. I really, truly believe that. Yeah. He's very dynamic and he has an opinion on a lot of different topics and he's very well educated. Um, you know, he geneticized the genetic counselor. I think, He's really got his head on straight. He was able to hold a conversation with you about genetics, and I could not imagine. Like, like you could throw him a, in a room with all the doctors and nurses that you work with, and he could hold his own. Like, you do that with me, and I'll just be like, uh, like I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> well, I, I was super impressed. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't even know he had that kind of, like, knowledge or background either. We were straight up like, let's talk to an astrologer, period. And Nothing else. so lucky. We really did. Like, I'm blown away. We were all, all three of us were saying this was serendipitous that we put on a call, got a personal recommendation, and he was available. Like, next day. Like, not even 24 hours so notice. we scooped him up because that's so unbelievable. And he was saying, you know, it's like divine timing that we called for him because he's been looking for a venue to put um, his message share. out. Yeah. Because he really wanted to. And he was like, it's my time. Yeah. So like before you even start this episode, go follow him on Instagram. We We have all of um, the links and all of the details in the show notes below as always. Um, But yeah, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this, especially if you love astrology, but also especially if you don't. Yeah. So you can follow Brian right now at our astro realm. Yeah. Our astro realm on Instagram. So check him out, give him some support, um, show him that you love him as much as we do, and give this episode a listen and get excited for part two. Yeah. Also, guys, don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out tremendously. We can't even tell you how much that helps us. So um, if you feel like supporting our efforts and being able to get really cool guests like Brian, um, that's the easiest way to be able to help uh, us communicate with other interviewees, I guess, and let them know that we have an audience that wants to listen. Yeah, your support means a lot and it helps carry this to the next stage. Well, hey guys. We are here with the lovely Brian Vlasic, 
Um, he is an astrologer. Um, he says that his sole mission is to guide you as you transcend modern astrology and attain your highest vibration. Mm-hmm. Um, we are thrilled to have him on and, yeah, and so speak about astrology and kind of go everywhere and anywhere we can inside this topic um, within the time frame that we're allotted. <laughs> um, yeah. Welcome, Brian. And um, feel free to expand. Yeah, by all means. Thank you for having me on. Like, uh, this came up yesterday. So Literally. That, that, yeah. I mean, what a turnaround. Uh, so thank you for the opportunity. It's really nice to be able to come here and speak with you about my passion. Um, I'll give you a little bit about me too. So that way, like, you're kind of yeah. like, who is this person? Um, so I have a PhD in music composition and I have an MFA in creative writing. So two terminal degrees in completely unrelated fields, which makes me completely unemployable. And this is fine. <laughs> like, you know, that's great. But I, I actually do work in the theater arts um, backstage. So I deal with all the machinations and machinations, if you will. And right now, I am shuffling this deck. Do you have anything that you would like to know about your show? Oh, <laughs> I I would love to know if it's resonating with the right audience. Yeah, are we finding our tribe and is it resonating? Oh, that that's an excellent that is an excellent word to use. So, I'm going to ask Spirit is Coconut Grove podcast resonating with its followers? I had one pop out, so we're going to set that one aside. This popped out. Let's see. So, uh, conclusions are within reach. So, the way that I would interpret this is that you are at a very important juncture with, with, with Coconut Grove and that your soul tribe is coming to you. You don't actively have to seek them out, in other words. Does that make sense? Yeah, I feel drawn. that. Yeah. So they're coming. There's a pull, but they're they're still collecting themselves. <laughs> yeah, and it, it takes a while Yeah. Um, just for that kind of thing. And then this is the other one that flew out of the deck. Luck is on your side. <gasps> oh, thank God. And that's the... <laughs> it flew out. <laughs> it literally flew out. That's it always a good sign. It flung itself out. It, was it, like, it, it wanted us here. to know. Just so you know, it's going to take a while, but there's luck involved. <laughs> well, it's also the new moon in Sagittarius, which is what we just had by by the way so the kind of energy that you're that we've all been experiencing uh is going to be continued forth within your podcast and i think that that's a very very cool way to start that's so beautiful yeah. that's positive yeah. that's good energy yeah how unexpected we, we weren't uh, expecting you to kind of give us a little reading like that so yeah we're so making lucky. us feel warm and fuzzy <laughs> i do what i can you know, but no, I, I like to do well by people who, who do well by me. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? It's good vibes yeah. and constantly passing power. our vibrations back and forth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I saw this, this one social media post and it was like make, uh, kind of taking a swipe at co-star users. Mm-hmm. And it was like, as an astrologer, whenever I see this and like, it, you know, pulls up a co-star thing. I just don't want to deal with it. And I'm the exact opposite because like, if I see someone that has gone out 
and is genuinely interested in 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 what they have to offer and and in in their own uh innate perhaps latent or unrecognized powers whatever they may be in earthly cosmic or otherwise right um yeah bring them on i want to know these people because that's curiosity yeah exactly you you can't duplicate it you know that's the heart of our podcast is just being curious about the world and asking the questions that you've always held inside and i think a, a big question that a lot of people in la have and a lot of our listeners we know have is uh, what is astrology? Who is it for? And why should you listen to it kind of thing? So yeah, always being curious. Because we, I was reading in part, like, as you know, I'm the newer to the field and I'm science-based. So you could say that I have a like split in my brain where it's like, this is so fascinating, but um, not how I've traditionally trained. So I'm so curious, but I, I was reading facts <laughs> what does that say? Communication is key. Ah. Uh, mm. So yeah. keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I read that 25% of people um, are like full followers of the practice. And I would not be surprised if there's more than um, more than that that are actually out there and they're just super curious and they're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know mm-hmm. what it means. I'm so curious, but help. Is and it I even think, true? Yeah, exactly. Those kinds of questions. And I think that might be where I'm at right now. So I feel really lucky that we get to ask you all these questions. Yeah. And 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 I think that the way that you framed that, uh, is, it, is it even true? Is it provable? The answer I'm going to say is it's art. Mm-hmm. There is an art of astrology. The art is based on science. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right. So now why why does this matter? Because we live in such a scientifically driven world now that it that it largely excludes anything of wonderment anymore. You know, like we we can't necessarily what was the big thing last year uh when 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 covid hit and everybody had to stay inside and all the animals kept like came back? Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, the earth temporarily restored itself. I know. It was healing. It was healing. Absolutely. And there's a sense of wonderment to that, mm-hmm. that that you can't duplicate in a laboratory. And I mean, first of all, I 100% support the sciences. I'm a rationalist. I have a doctorate. I'm not just making stuff up, you know, and I've, this is something that I've had to rectify within myself, too. You know. So for you, what um, what did you come to? Like you, you call it an art. So is that allowing you to kind of accept um, like the sciences and the rational beliefs there and then see the beauty and like hold on to that wonderment at the same time and not have to try to like put them at odds? Like, are, like how do you see them in your mind? Yeah, I would say that. I mean, a lot of people point to Carl Jung I mean, he he actually wrote about astrology, and I mean that's a, that's a taking off point for a lot of people. Um, and I mean, it's not that he was necessarily an inherent follower, but at the same time, like he's kind of in the same situation that I think many people find themselves of like, there's some really odd things that I'm noticing, 
with respect to like correspondences to timing in my life perhaps to aspects of my personality to meeting the right people at the right time how do i know that this person is going to sync up with me like all these things and 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 he too had to try to rectify that within himself yeah like people inherently want answers right absolutely Mm -hmm. uh and i mean even freud to to some degree not to some degree to a large degree um although he took a more literary bent when when he 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 wasn't necessarily talking about astrology and this is actually all connected so don't worry he wasn't necessarily talking about astrology but he was talking about um spiritualism and 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 how not like new age spiritualism but like being in touch with one's spirit um and trying to address fears as they were related to to events that are outside explanation he wrote a treatise i guess you would call it called the uncanny and 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 he gives you know it's it's basically all about dealing with seeing your doppelganger your your reflection of yourself and why that's terrifying and 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 for a long time at least in german culture and i think in 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 uh uk culture like doppelgangers were often seen as like the harbinger of doom mm-hmm. you saw your doppelganger it was all over <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was, it, it was done and and so that's why he started studying it because he's mm-hmm. like why is this so terrifying so he wrote this whole thing about it so you know already like this this idea of having a split between science and astrology is very recent like it's it's very recent i mean if you consider the roots of astrology like uh, in in greece what did you have to study when you were in school you had to study music you had to study math you had to study astronomy you had to study astrology and there was reading so the quadrivium you know or, or the quintivium whatever um <laughs> Uh, the, the the five basic uh, things, uh, the disciplines, and and then of course you built on those philosophy and 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 uh, mythological discourse and all that. Um, so science and math and astronomy, they were all, and astrology, they were all connected. They were all connected until, kind of. I wouldn't even say the Renaissance because people still were professional astrologers through the end of the 19th century. And then kind of the whole spirit, new age spiritualism thing took root and it reduced everything from this wonderful constellation of celestial bodies, right? To your sun sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oversimplified so, it's stripping away all of those details exactly exactly so when i talk about bringing you know a, a transcending modern astrology that's what i'm talking about mm-hmm. is transcending this idea that like you know we are based solely on 
one, two, or three aspects. We can't necessarily consider new celestial bodies, or can we? And I say we can, with the caveat, and this all goes back to belief, um, because I don't practice Vedic astrology, uh, Indian astrology. What I do practice is how I believe the Hellenistic peoples, the Greeks, and then the Romans after them would be practicing it now if they were alive now, mm -hmm. because that's the tradition. And I guess like to kind of put this idea of validity to, to, to kind of rest for a minute, because I, because are you familiar with the work of uh, Richard Dawkins? The geneticist. So he, you know, he wrote like the thing like, you know, the God delusion, I think it was called. But before that, he had a groundbreaking work whose title escapes me in like 1978. And it's called The Dog in the House. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, I'm no. so kidding. I'm so kidding. I'm just messing with you at this point. So um, no, we both, but, like, we're what? like, we believe it. We believe everything you say. <laughs> I have such a deadpan sense of humor. I love I'm sorry. it. It's perfect. Um, Don't change. <laughs> I shall. I shall do my best. Um, but he wrote. He wrote a. He wrote a treatise, and it. And it. It was the first book. It was the first instance of the word meme, M-E-M-E. -E. Oh. <laughs> right? And 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 because you're laughing because you're thinking like, oh, four squares and like, you know, yeah. funny things happen. And while that is true, and that's what they have become, what a meme is, like scientifically speaking, is the study of memetics, as in memory genetics. This is this is the idea of, of culturally encoding um, ideas, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 speaking to the geneticist, how do we know if if a particular trait within an organism is beneficial to the organism in terms of evolution? We say that it's conserved, so it's it stays unchanged and it's seen in multiple different species and if there's mutations or pathogenic variants that we're calling them now if they are there they're quite detrimental if it's something that's very important correct and he talked about this actually when he wrote about memes and it really saddens me you guys are gonna like have to look up the oh we title will and yeah yeah um but but when he wrote about it that was the chief thing that he wrote about was fecundity as as we would say mm-hmm right can this idea replicate itself where does this place us with respect to astrology this is actually very important and this is one of the reasons why i think astrology is so difficult to get into for a lot of people because they're like there's just so many words i just don't know and there's just so much and it's overwhelming right uh if you if you if you think about it the the astrology is, has been practiced by Western culture, um, predominantly, you know, Greco-Roman culture, has been practiced that way for about 3,500 years. Wow. <laughs> that is a, a, a fecund idea. It is able to replicate itself 
over time and not just time but millennia like it 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 has it has evolved as our abilities to observe things in the sky have evolved um but it wasn't really until like say a hundred years ago that it took a really sharp directional turn and we kind of lost our footing i personally i feel why do you think that it was at that point that it took that turn there was just a large push overall about spiritualism at the time in the late 19th century um people preparing for what was called the new earth people and and there was a what is it the academy of theosophy or theosophical society or something like that but it was all about like getting ready for essentially like the next world teacher or Hmm. jesus for you know but not just jesus but like the soul who had been jesus and buddha and all the great teachers Mm -hmm. is would be coming now so you suddenly had this huge spiritual revolution and people it takes an expert to actually look at a chart mm-hmm. but if everyone wants and, and 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 i mean it's kind of like that with church too right why did the why did vatican II say we don't want latin in church anymore because nobody knows latin <laughs> yeah you can't that's it, fair it's not very universal at that point exactly and that's what happened too with the with the um uh with the reformation right with with the splits between the catholics and the protestants so the protestants were all about a lot of things one of which being people don't understand what the hell you're saying (laughs) so how can we make this more beneficial to more people and and of course you know one of the things was to like burn music to the ground which was really sad because music up until that point was flourishing and complex and and mm-hmm. not like you know not like a church hymn they were like intricate and had different senses of time to each voice it, it was phenomenal stuff that wouldn't even be approached for another 500 years and then we can draw that you know at the same time the other thing that they did was they changed from the latin to whatever language they were speaking in that particular country so in this case it Mm -hmm. was german right and it took another 500 years for the vatican to catch up and say maybe this wasn't such a bad idea you guys you know um so i kind of honestly i feel a lot and this is probably controversial and that's fine because I'm speaking my truth and that's what matters. Amen. That's why we're here. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're on the right podcast. Um, <laughs> ah, see, I knew this was going to be good. <laughs> I did. Um, so, you know, when, when, when things became overly simplified, you know, and you started seeing my, my favorite kinds of things are like, this is the scent for Scorpio. This is what you shouldn't drink for like, you know, yeah. I was going to save this question for later, but how do you feel? How do you feel about companies basically capitalizing off of I, what some would consider religion? Um, I mean, they already do it, in respect to like every religion. You know, you mm. have mega churches. True. 
you can go to the you can go to a jewelry store and buy a huge silver cross that's like gaudy and not necessarily acceptable in church mm-hmm. but it's to show your devotion at the same time it's more of a social sign exactly yeah oh that's so interesting yeah. that's a really cool perspective don't now don't get me wrong there are very extremely talented people out there first of all extremely talented people extremely talented intuitives my way is not the only way absolutely not i'm the only one i know that practices my way for the for the record so i guess that's me cool iconic you've class. kind of carved your own kind of space you're like this is where i feel most comfortable exactly is there like a reason that you did that was it just uh, like personal experience, desire to practice that way, better like experience with your clients. Like what led you to go down that path and then stay there? Um, I was, so this is where the whole thing about belief comes into play and, 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 and what you believe in. So for me, it came from spirit or source or the universe or something that's universal to everybody. Mm-hmm. Some people are more comfortable with God. Some people are more comfortable with Ganesh, whatever it may be. I like to use, you know, a very neutral term to be more inclusive of so mm-hmm. many different perspectives. So for me, when I just became obsessed with with tracking astrology earlier this year, you know, I applied the skill set that I already had for music composition which is basically working with nothing but numbers. It totally is. And But at the same time, it's art. So you're balancing music numbers and art all at the same time. Exactly. Mixed so, media. Yeah, that's that's like a lot of different yeah, medias to, to be holding on to at the same time. That's cool. Yeah. So if, I mean, like, even if you just kind of like look at any given chart, you know, and we'll, we'll come to yours, but when you do you're going to notice that there's sets of numbers and i did use the word sets very specifically so in music composition one of the ways that we have mimetically evolved to look at music is to say we're going to break down let's say four pitches they're all different and we're not we're going to ignore whatever octave they're in you know whatever register if it's higher if it's lower if it's middle or whatever and we're just going to say maybe it's like c and c sharp and d sharp and like f well how do we make that so it's more applicable to the overall piece we reduce it to numbers so c would become zero c sharp would become one d sharp would become three and f would become five it's an isomorphic system there's a word for you so a a a nice way to kind of think about isomorphism in music is you look at the clock replace that 12 with a zero and then put a c all the way around chromatically until you hit 11 o'clock which would be b Mm -hmm. natural and then you start again we have 12 you know astrological signs Mm -hmm. that's that's not on accident you know <laughs> you were mentioning earlier that um a lot of astrology that we look at today is greek or roman um but <laughs> i mean like you were saying earlier so is math so is language so is science and we don't try to discredit or disprove those i just find that kind of interesting mm-hmm. but the thing we do try to dis- 
to, to disprove is this idea that something could be universal, right? Because astrology itself has a universal language unto itself. Like it's, it's like math. If you say, you know, I don't know, calculus, somebody over in like Fiji is going to know what that is. And somebody over in India is going to know what it is. And somebody here in the States will know what it is. And we'll all be really sad because nobody likes calculus. <laughs> but we <laughs> all know what you're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> calculus. <laughs> but if you say derivative, hmm. you're not going to know what that is unless you've already been given like the secret invite, meaning you're involved in calculus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So I, I would imagine it's the same with genetics. I was just going to say that it's the same in genetics. We, I mean, you have to interpret things into different languages to get the terminology, but it's the same. Like genetics doesn't change. You don't suddenly have different genetics one day and you wake up, you have different genetics. Like DNA is universal and DNA is the same story for each person. Um, obviously in the disease setting, we're talking about different nuances, but your DNA underline is, is the same. And we share most of our DNA as people. Um, so there's only a tiny percentage of DNA that's different and makes us unique. So, but at the same time, we face criticism in genetics too. Like we have a lot of cultural barriers, a lot of people coming in and saying, you know, I don't believe my child is sick because of this DNA that you're talking about. You know, what is this DNA that you're referring to? Um, my child is sick because it's, um, you know, a gift from God and he has this special thing or, or whatever. People have a way of understanding and making sense of their lived reality. It. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we face the... Maybe it's not the same, but we also face this criticism of it's a science that people can understand, but it's a science that the general collective knowledge doesn't really get right now. Maybe, maybe like a lot of people will question us and, you know, we're giving genetic test results and it's a little bit like, okay, well, this is my understanding of why your child is sick and this is my suggestion for the management, um, but yeah, I conducted a whole thesis on working with immigrants and there immigrants in genetic counseling. And there are people out there that don't believe in DNA. Um, so it's wild. And I can understand the kind of like, this is my understanding. I have practiced. I am skilled and a professional in this area. Yet people are like, I don't know. I'm not sure I get it. I don't believe you. Um, and yet there's evidence, right? So... I think we're both facing a similar a similar thing. I would agree with that, especially when you came to this idea of interpretation. Yeah. Right? Because that's what so much of um, genetic counseling is, is interpreting something that is universal to all of us, but there's always, like, it's still just maybe a little off. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. So everybody's different in this respect but then of course there's like that one thing that might be causing a disease exactly yeah and that's what we're looking at is like the genetic change that's causing that disease and i think that's where you lose people you're like how could that possibly be what's causing the disease that doesn't make any sense if you just said we all share like 99 percent of our dna 
why is he different? Why is he so much different or she so much different, right? So that's where you lose people a little bit. And I think that's one of the problems that astrology faces, quite honestly. Yeah. Because, you know, like DNA, we all live in the same solar system. We're all affected by the same energies that these objects place upon us. Is it gravity? With respect to the moon, yeah, absolutely it's gravity. <laughs> absolutely. You can you can literally watch it, you know, yeah. and that's the yeah. that's the amazing thing. So but is it only gravity? I'm I'm inclined to say no, because I don't believe I'm pretty sure that gravity doesn't necessarily affect cycles. Right. You know. Which is the whole reason why they were trying to prohibit women from exploring space in the beginning is they literally were not sure what would happen to their menstrual cycle and if they were out of a gravitational force exactly <laughs> nothing changes <laughs> nothing changes i did not know this actually yes yeah wow. they actually the first woman who went to space they were not sure how many tampons to give her so they were like how about a hundred <laughs> Okay, that's a lot right. of tampons. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what? It was men who were saying, we think that your cycle is going to be affected by space and by gravity. So we, the men, think that you, a woman, need this. I mean, I guess they were being better safe than sorry with the extras, but that's I mean, of... you could also just ask a woman, like, <laughs> how many do you need? <laughs> that's a lot of tampons. <laughs> you know, honestly, if you're going to be going through that many tampons and like a Where few you months, probably should you're not probably going to gonna die. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like so in the first month disorder. alone. Like, <laughs> right. okay. Don't go to space. Right? Yeah. Don't go to space if you're using warfarin or if you're using <laughs> yeah. warfarin anti-clotting factor and you're a woman. Like, then you're just 100% screwed. You know? Yeah. So we've learned a lot. I, I like to think we have, but at the same time, I don't necessarily believe it. Yeah. You know, I mean, we see that now because because I think we, are... we could be learning from each other more. Mm. I feel like our society is so I know how to get all of the answers myself. So I don't need to ask mm. for help or I don't need to ask a professional. Hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have feelings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I do. I do have feelings. Yeah. Um. If, if this were the case, I'm just saying, if this were the case, we would not be two years into a pandemic and it would have ended a long time mm -hmm. ago. Oh, there's no arguing that. <laughs> right? So if we're all experts because we have the internet, why is this still a thing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, I just destroyed the argument. Like it's, and, and, and that's, that's part of thinking about not just science and or astrology, just critical thinking in general. Oh, thank you for saying that. Yeah. yeah. That's like the shared underlying sentiment to any practice. You want to be good at something, you need to be a critical thinker. That well, is... I do want to be cautious with that, though, because I do know that that's an argument for a lot of um, conspiracy theorists. They like to believe that they're critical thinking. And... In, in some ways, depending on, on whatever the conspiracy theory is, it can be critical thinking. Um, but modern conspiracies where, like, one of a dead president is back to life and he's helping Donald Trump become president, like, things like that, people do lean in and say, oh, I'm a critical thinker and that's why I believe things like that. Mm. So I think we need to be careful with 
defining what critical thinking is because each individual mm -hmm. person has their own definition. I would Fair agree enough. with that. Yeah. Absolutely. My favorite is lizard people. <laughs> right? Because it was like 18% yeah. of Americans or something believe, and this, you can look, this, this is a real statistic, believe that the government is run by lizard people. Mm -hmm. Right. And I mean, I think they're all snakes. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but like, not you know, literally snakes. Not actual lizard people. No. Right. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right when it comes to this idea of um, of what does it mean to be a critical thinker, and and I guess, I mean when I when I taught college, you know, I taught the philosophy of music. Go figure. I, I already knew what I wanted to do before I actually knew what I was going to do. <laughs> but um, it was all about critical thinking, and I and I basically I used Socratic method with the students to have them teach the class mm -hmm. and you know so like 10 years go by and i'm sitting in you know i i had an accident became disabled whatever i had to start my life over this is why i have like five different degrees now i'm not even joking i have five different degrees <laughs> wow i mean that's honestly so hard to achieve i don't so. have a single degree like truly no. brian you should share we need yeah some give me your degree <laughs> <laughs> just send it in the mail it's fine <laughs> Here, I'll give you no, no one just <laughs> Honorary, uh, which one do you want to get rid of? <laughs> no, yeah, whichever one you're MFA. not using, I'll go ahead and take. <laughs> now I'm using them all. That's the thing. <laughs> Honestly, uh, that's what happens. You end up just coming to this place, but you should tell us. <laughs> I won't tell your story. Oh, no. Um, all I was going to say is that, like, you know, when I ended up going back to, to, to get another undergrad because I had to rebuild my life from the ground up. Mm -hmm as a result of an astrological event called the Saturn return that we'll come to and mm. talk about with Ashley. I am approaching my Saturn return. I have a year left. You said you had an accident. This sounds very scary. So. Well, it was, but, um, so my Saturn return did not begin with the accident though. Okay. That was kind of the culminating event. So, so basically I went back to school and one of the students that I had when I was teaching music philosophy, he had been a freshman at the college where I had taught and the college that I was, that I, that I went back to university of Iowa, I got my bachelor of English and creative writing from there as well as my PhD in music composition, like 10 years prior. So like I'm sitting in this class and there's this guy and I recognized him. He was one of my first semester students that I had taught. And when I had first met him, he was a mixed martial artist. That's how he's paying his way through college. And he, he, he knew that he liked art, but he didn't know that he was passionate about it. And, and there he was in a law seminar specifically for arts nonprofit organizations because that's what he became. So, you know, the, the ability for individuals to teach themselves is incredibly important, but it should always be with within a bigger context you know with different perspectives not the same perspective because i didn't know anything about mixed martial arts but i learned through him and he learned how to appreciate the arts through me and his classmates and as a human being that's just uh, that's mimetics right you're passing on a love of something to someone else and they are 
continuing the chain, but it's also just an extraordinarily satisfying event. You know? So I thought that was a cool little story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's cool. And definitely agree on like that sharing perspectives is is a one of the best ways to learn, you know. Um, and I think that is something that can help people who are still thinking about how to define critical thinking, you know, the sharing of perspectives and the learning from others, not just one perspective. Yeah, yeah not the same perspective over and over again from five people. <laughs> Because we've lost the ability to have a, of a, a, a considerate and thoughtful discourse with mm-hmm. someone of opposing thought, mm-hmm. which Absolutely. is why I yeah. think you two are awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yes. but I think I think that's actually, at least for me, a big driver behind the podcast. I I grew up in the South. I have the majority of my family uh, vote differently than I do. They have different views in life than I do. They have different practices in life that I do. And something as a child that was pointed out to me was like, um, a family member was basically like, oh, of course you believe that way because that's the way that your parents taught you to believe. And in that moment, I was like, actually, my parents never taught me to believe any specific way. And I think that's why I'm so grateful for the way that they raised me. And because of that, I was able to take in what my parents believed and what my other family members believed and be able to weigh out the decision on my own because I could have been easily more influenced by the larger portion of my family who believes differently than I do, or I could have been more, um, influenced by um, my family kind of being in being like more close knit. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think I, I mean, at least the way that I like to hope is that because of that experience, I'm more aware of how many different thoughts and beliefs there are on all sorts of topics. So whenever I try and think politically, I might a hundred percent disagree, but I at least want to know where you're coming from and why you came to that conclusion. Um, and what makes you believe that way? And can I relate to the way that you believe, even if I disagree, like Mm -hmm. with my whole heart and soul, if I disagree, I think it's important for me to be able to put myself in your shoes and be like, why would a person believe this way? What makes them want to believe this way? How do they feel when they believe this way? Um, and I think, yeah, because, because I wasn't ever pushed, this is the way that life is. This is the way you believe. I think that has given given me permission to be able to ask those same kinds of questions and have those same observations in any topic around the world. Um, and that's why I'm like really grateful. Ashley was kind of had that same response, just like we have questions and there's a lot of nuance in life. There's no black and white. There's no A and B. These are the way things are done. Like there's so much color and gradient in between. Mm-hmm. And to be able to identify that, I think is the most like human connection you can feel. Cause I feel like that gray area of space is where more people live than the black and white. I kind of went on a tangent, but. No, that's absolutely, that's a beautiful tangent. Thank you. Uh, I was actually raised quite similarly by my mother as opposed to my father who was, you know, devout Catholic. So my life could have gone very differently if I had not stopped talking to my father. And I'm glad that I did for a number of reasons, but one of which being, you know, I have a nice 
mind that is also thoughtful of other points of view. And, you know, strangely enough, like academia is not a space for that, which is one of the major claims of the right. And they're not wrong. Like they're not wrong. But similarly, you know, if you're just being homeschooled your entire life and you never get outside your family, it's as bad as academia. Right. Yeah, I think people learn a lot from exposures, whether that is like events you've gone through or people you've met or things you've done. I mean, yeah, I I think academics um, are notoriously sheltered. You know, you read in a book and you go to a class and someone says, like, even on the first day of my very first class ever, I remember my biology teacher in Biology 100 was like, who here is religious? Like, you know, there's 350 people in the room and like, I don't know, 75 people put their hands up. He's like, great, pack your bags and leave. Oh, my God. And then he's like, who here doesn't believe in evolution? Another, like, 25 people put up their hand. Great. Get the hell out of my class. (laughs) And he's like, okay, so the rest of you are here to learn science. Find out later that he's a devout Christian. I was like, okay, I'm really having a hard time with understanding why you did that. Maybe because you just didn't want to fight the tide. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Which is sad, but also <laughs> under, it's like strangely uh, understandable. Yeah, right? especially in a class setting, right? It's like you're there to do a job. Well, there's one prof and there's like 350 students. So, of course, there would be just outrage if he goes on and on and on and gives us all this information in Biology 100, which is all the controversial things that come first with learning the basics of science. Right. And so I can see why maybe he did that, but it was a little brutal hey guys it's katie and ashley hey so we're here to tell you a little bit more about how you can support the podcast yeah so if your apple podcast platform is not already open go ahead and open that up go to coconut grove podcasts and not only rate but leave us a review yeah so if you go in there and write something for us that helps a lot with the metrics helps us get known helps us help you Exactly. And for all of December, we're giving away four gifts to uh, reviewers. So if you would like to be one of the lucky winners of one of our December giveaways, the only way you can enter is by leaving a review on the Apple Podcast platform. Yeah. So get on there, write us something quick, positive or negative, hopefully positive, And we'd love to hear your feedback. Cool. Let's get back into the episode. Thanks. Uh, you know what? You know what happened in my first class? I don't know because I missed it because <laughs> I was hungover. So yeah, it was great. That's how I started my collegiate career. And, hey, and, I mean, yeah, looks like you turned out pretty fine. <laughs> yeah, five that degrees. doesn't seem to be a problem. Yeah. You know, I, tur- I turned out all right. I turned yeah. out all right. It's because of where my Saturn is, actually. Mm, but, tell us more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's well, let's dig a little bit more into um into I guess like charts what are charts yeah you got it read them things like that so we have a chart for one of you (laughs) that's mine are you a little are you a little nervous i'm a little nervous because there was so many things that you were like telling us before we started recording like oh no what is gonna happen (laughs) it's okay 
It's seriously okay. Um, so Okay, so we do have Ashley's birth chart pulled up. Yes. And so you're like, what the hell are all these things? So first thing you should look at, so you look toward the very left. Mm-hmm. And then it lists all the planets. Okay, yeah. Right? So down the side. And you see how those numbers, like, they, it's a number and it's a it's a sign. So like Leo, Virgo, Cancer, Taurus, Cancer, Capricorn. A lot of Capricorn. A lot of Cancer. <laughs> well, that makes this, sense. This, this, this is interesting. Okay. Um, this is good. Not like a interesting like oh my god but like an actual good <laughs> interesting. interesting um so you have all the planets outlined there that's the first big thing that you should notice and then you have the blue numbers right mm-hmm. those blue numbers next to the planets and 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 other celestial bodies a lot of people don't consider asteroids in my practice i do consider asteroids and you're like how can you do that because you know they weren't discovered yet and i'm like it doesn't matter if you believe in spirit if you believe in a larger guiding force in the universe whatever it may be then everything literally has to be there for a reason Mm. right i mean even 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 deists like uh george washington was a deist right he never said or he actually said the united states is a no in no way a christian nation or something that boils down (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. you know and it's since been distorted but he literally said that and 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 he was a deist benjamin franklin was deist and what does that mean so basically they all believed that there was a a a force larger that that had consciousness and that set up the universe like a clock and then left (laughs) (laughs) and that was it but of course, you know, you do have systems within the clock too, mm-hmm. um, like like karmic systems, like like places in which to make decisions. And unlike some people that are like, oh, you're doomed because of this. I definitely don't read astrology like that. I, mm-hmm. I would say something like you're going to be challenged here mm-hmm. and this is going to challenge this belief. So how do you look inside yourself? to transform that belief and i think of this as like more a cathartic way to look at a chart as opposed to like a fatalistic way to look at a chart where there's only literally one outcome i mean the the greeks and romans didn't think there was literally only one outcome only they did believe in fate they also believed that fate could be changed that's interesting that's very contradictory to this sort of standard understanding of fate. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I would agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you read your fate by the oracle, here's the problem with the oracle, right? The oracle tells you exactly what's going to happen to you, except no one ever believed the oracle. And this just reinforces my point, right? So So the oracle told the person their fate. But because the person didn't believe in oracle in Greek mythology, they thus fulfilled their fate. Hmm. <laughs> uh, Oedipus Rex being the best example, right? The, the oracle at Delphi, I think, was like, you know, you're going to kill your father and like, you know, be married and have children, 
have sex with your mother. And he's like, I don't believe this. So he did everything he possibly could to avoid that fate. And in the end, the things that he did to avoid his fate are the things that enabled his fate. Mm. Oh my God. Yeah. So we always have a choice. It's whether or not we want to listen. When we get to Saturn, I'll tell you my Saturn return story. Yeah, I put a note because I do not want to forget to ask. (laughs) Yes. So we can look at um, Ashley's son there. It always it is important to start with the sun sign. It okay. is um, the sun sign being in Leo. So if you look toward the object that looks like the sun, it's at three degrees. That's the sun, Mister Golden Sun. Uh, I just wanted to say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, the sun being in Leo, you'll notice too. See, so that's the symbol of Leo. Leo's a fire sign. Yeah. Right? So why why are the sun and the moon the two respective rulers of Leo and Cancer? Because in think about what months they are, right? The hottest part of the year. Summer, yeah. Right? And back in ancient Greece, the logic ran that the brighter the celestial body, the hotter it was. Hmm. So then these celestial bodies became associated with the different um, constellations as rulers of the constellation. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you look toward like Gemini, which is like the little pie like sign. There's Gemini. Now, if you go toward Virgo, which is on the opposite side of Leo, those two are both ruled by Mercury. Why? Mm Because Mercury can never be more than, I think, 28 degrees away from the sun. Oh. Hmm. So that's why it falls there on the chart? Yes. Hmm. And you can and you can continue to advance this logic as you go around, uh, mm. as you go around the zodiacal chart. For where the, bo- the celestial bodies are physically placed in the universe. That makes sense. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah. A lot of people don't. And no. it's too bad because there's a lot of subtlety there. Already yeah. there's a lot of subtlety there. For instance, right? Like your um, your son is literally in the first 10 degrees of Leo, which is ruled by the principal ruler, the sun. So therefore your brightness and your, and your, that's the, fourth house the 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 desire to care for people even if it is a very private thing to the self it still shines brightly through and nobody can miss it does that that resonate with you yeah (laughs) Yeah. especially when you lean into it i think when you're feeling yourself you're a bright ball of sunshine (laughs) (laughs) that's a nice way of saying that now, similarly, in the same in the same uh, sign in Leo, you look to like the thing that looks like a question mark with a slash through it. Yeah. There you go. That's Ceres. Oh. Ceres is also known as I, I use the Roman names because there are also there are also celestial bodies with Greek names, and it gets really confusing. So, I just it's it's Ceres. That's the name. But you would know her as Demeter from Greek mm-hmm. myth, right? right. Mm-hmm. 
the, the earth mother, literally the earth mother. That's what she does. She renders fields fallow when her daughter's under underground <laughs> and then brings the land back to life when her daughter returns. Now, to see your uh, Ceres down there in Leo um, says, this is also, like I said, the fourth house. So your fourth house has to do with nurturing people and how that expresses itself in the world. So for such an earth mothery person, I'm going to guess that you're totally the kind that stops in on friends if they're ill and you bring them soup and you bake for them. Um, and there, and, and, and the wonderful thing is, is there's a, a depth to that because if you look to the other side of the sun, that's white moon, Celine, there are three different aspects to the moon. There's the moon, then there's black moon, Lilith, who you may have heard of. And mm-hmm. then there's white moon, Celine, who you never hear of. I love White Moon Celine. I think of her as your soul insurance. So like your soul insurance is in the deepest part of cancer because it's so close to what's known as the IC. See that, that thick line there? It means your imum celli, okay? And what the, it, it, and it sounds so weird, but basically it just means the most private aspect of the self. So you may not want to outwardly express how much you do care about the people in your life and it might be difficult for you to communicate that to them but it is all it is completely pure because white moon Celine deals with ideas of purity like i said i think of her as soul insurance and how is that going to manifest itself in in you know the last what we call decan or the last 10 degrees of cancer in a very emotionally deep fashion you look a little shook (laughs) no i think that's exactly right like i do care a a lot about about people and the people in my life my life and you're definitely right sometimes i can't express that properly or i don't and i know when i'm off and i get um I get the most upset when there's not like a harmony with the relationships with people that I care about. Mm -hmm. That's probably what makes me the most upset. So that's really quite accurate. Yeah. So if we look then next to that, you'll see like next to Selene, Selene, you'll see that thing that looks like a fancy four. That's Jupiter. Jupiter is a benefit is, is known as the, the great benefactor. Jupiter is all about expansion, overwhelming expansion. And, and, you know, again, it's my inclination to say that you probably have this, uh, this great love of humanity and of people, and it does shine through, but sometimes it's too much for you. You're very empathic. So you might actually take on another person's emotions, perhaps after giving, um, you know, after, after trying to help them and it's natural, like that's totally fine. It just means that you, that you're more in tune 
if you're far more in tune with your emotions because Jupiter is all about expansion. So you have huge emotion. My emotions are very out of control <laughs> <laughs> or they're very large. Yeah. And similarly though, they're in conflict with your IC, your Imuncelli, mm -hmm. because it's mm -hmm. the most private aspect of yourself. You don't, it's, it's hard to be so empathic and have people know that next to the IC there on the other side of it. And then up a little bit, you see pros. Mm -hmm. That's proserpina, uh, otherwise known as prosepine it, from Greek, but in Roman, she's proserpina. And that is Ceres's daughter. Okay. And what, what this says to me as this, this is in the, um, oh, how do I, how best do I explain this? Do I have a chart? So the third house then, I was right. Okay. It's all about sharing and it's called the I think house. So it hmm. has two different kind of roles. And when you say your heart on your sleeve is like your kryptonite, you see that little key-like symbol? Yeah. That's called Chiron, also known as the wounded healer. My my reading was entirely she looked at mine and she was like, I'm sorry, baby. I wanna I wanna talk about everything in your chart, but I gotta talk about your Chiron because it's intense and you need to know about it. The wounded healer? Mm -hmm. You have it too? Everybody has Everybody it, does. I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Everybody does because like like um like DNA, all these celestial bodies exist within our solar system. Mm -hmm. It's just where they're placed that matters. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. That's how we can determine the makeup of an individual. That's cool. Speaking that's why language. time and location is so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And why if you so you know, you, you had given like an estimate of like you were off by 16 minutes and it doesn't seem like it would be a big deal. But specifically when it comes to the midheaven, so that's the MC, which is opposite the IC. Mm -hmm. So specifically to both the MC and the IC. In your chart specifically, uh, this deals with, with issues of... Um, deals with issues of timing at a very small level. Mm -hmm. So the MC changes signs basically every two hours. So while that 16 oh, wow. minutes might not seem like a lot, if we had backed it up a little, then we would say, well, maybe your MC is directly conjunct Saturn as opposed to two degrees removed from Saturn, which is a which is different because if you looked up toward the top there where it says MC and then you look mm -hmm. in the pie chart itself like below and you see the thick line and then you see that the symbol that's kind of like this oh the H yeah yeah fancy H that's Saturn mm -hmm. so do you notice just slightly below that there's a red line connecting three different bodies so it goes from 2110 to 1239 to 634 that's called a conjunction mm. so if your birth time was off by 16 minutes your mc may have been considered completely in junction 
are part of the conjunction with all three of those bodies, uh, which is completely different than not. Than spaced <laughs> out like this. Right. Exactly. That's why knowing your exact birth time, even down to like 16 minutes, can make such a huge difference. Right? 30 mm-hmm. degrees in a sign, 120 degrees or 120 minutes. So that's what, like a degree every four minutes? So that would make four degrees of difference? Yeah. Yeah. Which which would have placed your MC to, uh, on the other side of Saturn and would give us a different interpretation hmm. yeah. of Saturn. Interesting. Right. I'm glad you think so. <laughs> I'm glad I asked my mom. <laughs> I am too, actually, because this is a much different reading (laughs) than I could be giving you otherwise. Uh, And if you go back down to the bottom of the chart, you'll notice that the IC has that red line that crosses from prose to the to the to the line itself and then to um, Jupiter, white moon, Mm Selene. All of those things are together. Okay. Okay. So. As Prosepine and Chiron are both at 20 degrees, they're also connected, like very closely, within 10 Hmm. minutes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So when I see Prosepine in such a, or Prosepina in such a direct, uh, in in such a critical spot on a chart, I immediately think, this person has a lot of yes and no choices to make and they're going to be difficult. Hmm. Um, and and because it's with Chiron, my odds, and, and you've already expressed how you put your heart on your sleeve, that's your, that's your, that's your wound, is, is, is how can you reconcile this breadth and expanse of emotion you feel because of jupiter and because of the sun and because of white moon selene how can you rectify that within yourself and and turn that into your strength as opposed to something you may view as a weakness yeah that that resonates too there's always like huge yes and no kind of choices for me i feel like being in the science world and then being like in the creative world are they're not that far apart but in my life they're pretty far apart and I'm always like living in two different worlds and I'm always having to say like no to some part of me or you know like I'm always Mm -hmm. kind of in that that two different camps um but at this point you're not right because here we are talking about science in a creative realm. Yeah, mm-hmm. right now we're actually aligned. <laughs> so maybe that's what that card about, you know, uh, that I drew earlier. What was it? Changes coming or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I think you said changes coming. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe that's what it has to do with. It, mm-hmm. Because you asked about your podcast. And, and now you're starting to marry your two sides of yourself. So maybe you're healing yourself right now. That's so true. Oh, that's so beautiful. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I had that thought this morning. I was like, maybe I'm meant to just podcast. Maybe this is the combination of 
you know, my ability to talk to people and care about people and um, research and have that science foundation, but also just be exploratory and creative at the same time. I actually had that thought this morning. That's so weird. You know what? Speaking of like connections to the podcast, it's it's different. It's not astrological, but last year, I think it was last year or it might have been early this year. I was really struggling with, um, now I'm going into auras. So I was really struggling with the voice. The the throat chakra? That's what it is. Mm. Yes, the throat chakra. Um, but when you're closed off from it, you um, you have throat issues. Uh, you have trouble expressing yourself. Um, there, there are all these like blocks that go on when you're not like completely aligned. And I knew, and I noticed like I was having so many issues expressing myself through voice. And I also kind of came to that conclusion very similarly. Um, and that perspective that I was like, maybe this is the way that I'm healing my voice chakra, my throat chakra is through the podcast. So kind of similar experiences that we're both experiencing here. It is really healing. It's funny that we're all like visualizing it that way too. Like some could just say, oh, it's like a entrepreneurial venture, but it's not. It's like, it is healing. Like mm-hmm. I literally wrote on my Instagram, like, hey friends, join me for this podcast. I'm trying a new thing. It's literally my passion project. I'm using it as a way to unpack what I've been through and learn more. If you want to join, you can join. And I feel like that's why there's been a lot of support. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? The fact that you said passion project tells me that you are aligned with what you are supposed to be doing with your soul. That's <laughs> the soul alignment. Because if you if you <laughs> if you if you wake up and you're like, I'm excited to do this every day, even if it's hard, and I know some days can be easier than others, but like if you wake up and you're just like, I just can't wait to work on this. You're 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 in what we call alignment. You have found the um the the part of yourself that resonates most with you. I um I I always try to achieve flow, which is I think another uh word for alignment or another variation of alignment. And it's been notorious to find flow, like notoriously hard to find flow, um, especially over the last few years. But the podcast has definitely been like alignment and flow easy. (laughs) Yeah, it does feel very easy, even when it's hard. But like the easiness of doing it when it's hard. Mm -hmm. No, that makes complete sense. It does make complete sense. I'm sure Um, you feel the same way in your profession, too, like moving into i i suppose maybe i'm just making an assumption but i guess like when you align yourself the hard is easy no matter what right so when you're aligned with astrology when you're aligned with music doing those things that you really enjoy out of your five degrees any of those degrees that you're using creative writing you know i mean english lit yeah yeah It, it, it 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 lights a fire within you
let's continue our backward journey because we're almost where to where uh where we should be so next up you'll notice like a little at like 10 degrees uh man with a square head yeah yeah so that's yeah. palace athena right the, the 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 um daughter of daughter of zeus it was born from his head hmm. but in 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 roman mythology i'm not sure if this tracks the same in the greek mythology so but in the roman mythology she's known as palace athena because she got into a a sparring match you know with um neptune's son pallas and she killed him on accident so then she started wearing she wore his armor for the rest of mm. his life for the rest mm. of you know her days well i mean she's still around if you subscribe to roman cult mythology and who am i to say not to right but like this is why she's also not like directly next to that you'll notice venus right the circle with the with the cross underneath that's venus but back to palace palace is square so you're essentially palace athena is fascinating in the sense that she is both wise and she's a warrior like a warrior priestess kind of thing but she's also embodying two different genders at the same time right because she took on the duties and the armor of you know neptune's son and married that into her identity hmm. which is fascinating to me yeah for real <laughs> i you know uh, you gotta hand it to the ancients because like they had such a wonderful and subtle understanding and it wasn't called gender yet we didn't even really consider gender as like a study until the 30s i think you can fact check me on that one but i'm pretty sure that that's like i found this wonderful photo of my grandfather when he was like three years old right and he's wearing like this long tunic it's black and white photo and he's wearing this long tunic that looks like a dress and he has like a bow in his hair he's the cutest motherfucker you've ever seen i was like this is how this is how we used to consider or this was this was the norm right yeah. to 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 say you can dress your, it doesn't matter how you dress your child like <laughs> you know and then corporatism took over right but with respect to like at least myth in roman and greco-roman myth you often see these types of dualities imbued in each of the gods and goddesses uh so back to proserpina right like she's the goddess of death who dwells below ground half the year thus making ceres render the fields fallow but then she comes back for six months of the year after apollo and i i think of it as mercury honestly goes back at least according to the myth went back to get her and bring her back to the land of the living and that's why everything comes in the bloom mm -hmm. so this is why i said well you probably have a lot of yes and no's in your life because it's it's death or it's life i mean there's literally no more definition of a binary choice than life and death like mm -hmm. that's what she got 
you know? Right. <laughs> um, and that's really lovely, honestly. And and just of, of note, so like there's a blue line that comes off of both uh, Proserpina and Chiron, okay? And that goes to Pluto. And this is of no this is of no um small consequence right pluto is the primary ruler of scorpio so and and and, and pluto is proserpina's husband mm. so pluto is all about infinite depth mm. depth of emotion like depth of being able to transform the self because that's what we associate with Scorpio is transformation. So suddenly you're, we're starting to see things. We're starting to see a theme come out in your chart of transformation of needing to rectify certain things within yourself, like with Chiron being able to express your creative side, but also being able to do the research side. Well, well suddenly that's connected to Pluto at what we would call uh, a so this is when we can get all like techie and you'll be like what the hell does that mean um at what we would call a, a, a trin angle 120 degrees okay and that's a fortuitous angle why because cancer's a water sign and then uh, scorpio is also a water sign the difference is is that uh scorpio's fixed so if you know anything about Aristotle, if you know anything about like Plato and the idea of forms, it's it's a really abstract thought. So if if you can envision something in your mind, you can't duplicate it. It's it's in its ideal form. <laughs> right? Like a waterfall. You you can picture the most beautiful waterfall in the world. First of all, it's going to be different for everybody. And that's fine because this is in line with the idea of forms. But you'll never be able to actually have that in real life. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So when you look at cancer, cancer is what we would call a cardinal sign. Cardinal meaning primary form, the ideal form. And when you track that up to Scorpio... Scorpio is what we would call a fixed sign. Mm. So think like ice and, and not think like ice, but you can actually go make ice. Like you can make this happen, right? And there's one more type of sign. If you scroll, that's Pisces. And Pisces is mutable. Mutable meaning it can change. Mm. So as in like transmute. Transmute power, uh, full metal alchemist, transmutation, I don't know, whatever you want, right? The point being that each element has all three of these, what we would call um, modalities. Like, so like the water sign has three modalities? Mm -hmm, and the fire sign does. Mm, okay. And then, and, and so on and so forth. The air sign, which is in which is uh, orange and the earth sign, which is in green. Okay, cool. So now you have a fixed Pluto 
meaning for you, it's going to be very rigid. Um, Pluto is all about depth. Pluto in this particular house, this is this the I serve house. Um, it can be a very fixed and rigid idea of how you're supposed to serve the world. And this is would explain why you have that conflict and why your, you know, chiral wound, your, you know, is that binary choice of like, am I creative? Am I artistic? And I'm going to challenge you and say, I'm going to challenge your fixed nature. And I'm going to say, does it need to be? Like, does it need to be a, a choice or can it be both? Yeah. Oh. I don't know. I So I'm looking at my chart. I also have my Pluto and Scorpio in the sixth house. Would those things be very similar to me or do the degrees um, affect that? The degrees matter. Okay. So at what degree is it? Uh, 27 degrees, 13. 27 degrees, 13. So it's ruled by the moon. So odds are you have... Um, emotional ups and downs that can be very intense and a lot for people to handle um and that's okay just because that's just who you are you know i'm definitely at peace with that but i don't know if the people who interact with me are <laughs> we're fine with it <laughs> okay okay so does that does that feel right to you though to me it does yeah i <laughs> yes very all over think, the place Ashley? Sound like I don't. A... I mean, I don't want to nod and be like, "Yeah, she's all over the place." She's not all over the place. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think that. I, I'm not saying that. No. <laughs> but yeah, she she um she feels things very, very uh, passionately, and it it like whatever she's doing, she does with a hundred percent energy always. So I can definitely see that. Yeah, because Pluto is driven. Pluto has boundless energy. Yeah. Uh, Pluto's also obsessive. So sometimes Scorpios are associated with having dark thoughts, like just like thinking about death, like on a regular basis. And it's it's harmless. That's just a trait of Scorpio. And and if you know, if you find yourself like dwelling in these spaces of like, I wonder what happens when and it's pretty dark. First of all, there's nothing wrong with you. Second of all, it's because of that very influential force of Pluto and what we would call domicile. Mm. So where it's happiest um, in Scorpio. That's so interesting. I know. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty solid on those things. And I, I, I let that drive a lot of the way I operate. And the interesting thing for you is that's right below what's called your DC or your descendant. Okay. And on the other side is like what everybody else knows is the ascendant. Mm. Right. So we'll get to the descendant first. The descendant is the part in your chart. So houses seven through 12 start at the descendant. That's the public side of yourself. So the fact that Pluto is so close to the descendant means that like we get you're a force of nature but we don't necessarily see it so it's an intuitive thing that's interesting 
Where, what about you? Where does your... Let's see. So there's Scorpio, and then there's Pluto. Yeah, and then... Oh, so that's right. Connected uh, to your... Very closely with your North Node, and... Oh, man, this is a time for you, huh? <laughs> that's what I've been told. No, I'm asking. What so, do you mean? Like, like, are you having... Oops. Are you... Sorry. Are you having um a, a rough so time? <laughs> yeah. Are you having a time right now? Like a bit of a time, yeah. Yeah. Especially this year. I think this year is a lot harder than last year was, which I feel like is why I'm so committed to making next year like my year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Robbed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I should do I should just say one of my programs next year is actually going to be called New you in 22. I love it. That's, yeah. That's so perfect. I'm putting it out here so it's actually in the public domain now. Perfect. And people can't be like, I'm ripping that off. <laughs> We've got it here. We but, said it here um, first. But because it's not as close to your descendant, people may not be able to sense as much how turbulent your emotions can be within yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah. I do you think that's because like I'm not letting I'm not showing? Like, do you think that I hide it? I I can't necessarily say without seeing the rest of your chart, you know? Mm. Um, because there are a lot of things that govern that. But it yeah, yeah, because it's in your sixth house, because it's further away from the descendant than Ashley's, I would say probably that has something to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel like I I have this like um fear of burdening people with my own problems. Mm -hmm. So I definitely keep those roller coasters inside. It's it's an indoor roller coaster, you know. Those are a lot it's more space dangerous. Mountain. <laughs> hey, space space mountain. mountain in my emotions. Don't stand up. <laughs> there you go. Space mountain. See? Your head'll get chopped off. Um <laughs> I like how you actually laughed at that. That is totally a Plutonic and Scorpionic joke. <laughs> and that that that's that's exactly what I was talking about. So if we go over to Gemini, which is the pie like dude, you have an empty house too, Ashley. Mm -hmm. And 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 the empty house too is indicative of that which you don't need to learn in this lifetime. Oh, what is you learned it is, in a previous lifetime? Oh, what did I? What is the house too? Odds are you have very stable income. Uh, you you have very solid morals, and you don't need to necessarily correct any of them. Like like you you you've always been able to make choices aligned with who you are even if they are very difficult and these have more often than not worked out for you in a financial perspective yeah that's true yeah cool that's very true that's excellent <laughs> now if you go up to the first house see so there's one that's the i am house this is who everybody sees Oh, I want right. to know that. <laughs> and this is one of the big three. So you always hear about the big three. You hear about 
you hear about your sun sign, you hear about your moon sign, and you hear about your ascendant. Okay, so here we have the ascendant. And conjunct your ascendant, so that, you know, united with it, is this thing that looks like fire. That's Vesta. Have you ever heard of the Vestal Virgins? Mm-mm. No. Oh, oh, they're great. So like back in <laughs> back in Rome, right? They kept the fires of Rome lit twenty four seven. That was their job. That they, they, they swore an oath. They're literal people who swore an oath to keep the fires lit and were basically like there to warn people if invaders were coming, et cetera, et cetera. That's a cool job. It is a cool job. The only downside is is that you had to remain chaste until you were discharged at age 38. (laughs) Conversely, once you got out at age 38, you were basically revered as a living incarnation or a living goddess, essentially, and you could do whatever the fuck you wanted. So, like, you know, people loved you because you kept Rome uh, intact. Yeah. And that's phenomenal. So, like, below that, you see psych. Mm-hmm. That's psyche. That's, your, that's, that's where psyche was when you were born. And if you think that sounds familiar, you're right. Psyche is your soul, is indicative of your soul. And with your soul being um, in, in the first house, it's outward-facing, and it's in Gemini, so it's about communication. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So back into Taurus with Vesta and the Ascendant, you have, it, uh, which is uh, actually occupied by, or in the second decan, the second set of 10 degrees, which is subruled by Gemini, by the way. Well, that's fun. Because Gemini, if you'll recall, is the is the god of communication. Oh, so does so, that mean that people see me as a like a communicator and a person who keeps Rome <laughs> together through communication? Through communication, yeah. And Rome being the proverbial place, like yes. Hey, that's, that's another. Well, what do you think you're doing right now? You are communicating. Every and job I've world. had has been communicating, and it's been through my voice mostly, but not entirely like painting. Yeah. Well, this this doesn't surprise me in the least because you look right up from that and you see echo, hmm. echo, echo. I make that joke to literally all my clients. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> but um, echoes in your twelfth house, and echoes that. Uh, the twelfth house is the hidden house. It's it's what we don't. You have an enormous twelfth house. Does that mean I'm really hidden? It means that you have a lot of things that you don't outwardly present, or perhaps of which you are not outwardly aware. Hmm. Your twelfth house is like fifty degrees, and when you consider that each zodiac sign is thirty degrees. That's an enormous house because you could almost fit two zodiacal signs within the same house. So let's scroll down a little bit back to the first house. I just thought the, the tangent with Echo was interesting because you mm-hmm. not only express yourself through painting, 
right? I refer to Echo as the disempowered voice because oh. it's a really sad story. The, the, the myth goes that, you know, Echo and Jupiter were having an affair. And every time that Juno would come home and she was always like this close to catching them, Echo would just talk to her for hours. And eventually, this is why I think of Juno, this is part of that duality too. So Juno is known for, you know, being uh, fidelity and 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 kind of like the matriarch. But at the same time, she has a beast mode that got op- that gets operated when people cross that. So with respect to like when Echo and Jupiter were doing their thing and she found out about it eventually, she ripped Echo's voice from her body, discarded mm. the body. And left only the voice intact and gave it the curse that Echo could only repeat the things that she'd been told. So I think of so I think of Juno as being two two sided in the sense that she is all about matrimony and 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 faith fidelity, but she's also about divine retribution. (laughs) Don't piss off Juno. Yeah. Don't piss off Juno. Um and then looking down there towards your psyche, this is where stuff gets really interesting and is totally appropriate to literally today. Oh. So the green planets all around the outside are in transit. This is where they are right now. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. And you are speaking at a time when the moon is in direct opposition. The green moon down there in Gemini is in direct opposition to the green sun up there in Sagittarius. Mm -hmm. And that's because this is a full moon. So what does that mean? There's, There's a little thing. There's a little symbol. So you see the green series? Your desire to be that earth mother person right now is conjoined with see the thing that looks like audio phones below it Mm -hmm. yeah that's your north node Mm. it's a it's a it's a it's a hypothetical point of uh the moon okay the north node is of course opposed 180 degrees by the south node and when when things are in aspect or have hmm, or have a quality to them that directly impacts it that's a sign that you're approaching your destiny so ooh like today <laughs> literally today yes this is this is actually what today looks like by the way so right now look at where your series is it's like about 0 degrees yeah okay and then you look over to where your natal series is the black one that's close yep in there and this is a like a 75 ish degree angle but between the two yeah mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily indicative of anything unless you take the north node into account because all of a sudden your your degree shrinks these are called orbs we start talking about orbs and 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 
degrees of influence around a specific celestial point or body. So like, for instance, the sun has a huge, oh, I'll show you here, like in this chart that I did, like you see this green along here. That's the mm -hmm. influence of the sun right now. So why is it bigger? Like why sometimes is it big and sometimes it's not? Because the sun is the engine of of everything, right? So the sun gets a wider orb, therefore. Mm -hmm. uh, the moon does as well because they're both the most luminous bodies. It's the same kind of logic as we had earlier. With the brightness. Exactly. Exactly. So now you're speaking of points and des destiny points. <laughs> well... All of a sudden, you notice, well, what kind of degree is that? It's actually a 72 degree angle between it's become like. becomes smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Between the North Node and um, between the North Node, your IC is 72 degrees. And then remember, your IC is conjunct with those other things. So, what's occurring right now. And given the fact that your natal psyche is at one degrees 23 and the north node today is at one degrees Gemini 42, this podcast that you're doing is literally fulfilling your soul mission. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's true. No, It is true. And, and, and that... And that is the magic of astrology. That is the wow. magic of astrology. Wow.